chapter seventeen of the subjection of isabel carnaby this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org the subjection of isabel carnaby by ellen thornycroft fowler chapter seventeen the beginning of trouble as time went on the relations between captain gaythorne and his beautiful wife grew more and more strained her contempt for him was more openly showed and his unhappiness at her indifference more fully displayed every day they spent together of course no wife is justified in behaving to her husband as fabia was behaving then but still it cannot be denied that poor charlie managed her very badly fabia was the type of woman who wanted to find her master and charlie persisted in fawning at her feet as if he were her slave or her spaniel and yet he was a manly enough man where his own sex was concerned his men had always obeyed him and his fellow-officers respected him from the time that he first entered the service but as a boy he had been trained to be afraid of his mother and consequently as a man he was afraid of his wife he would do anything compatible with reason and honour to avoid the storms of feminine temper and yet or perhaps therefore the lightnings of female wrath were forever hurtling round his devoted head it never answers to kowtow to a subject race it always renders that race exacting and overbearing it is man's place to rule and the minute that he lays down his sceptre woman snatches it up and hits him over the head with it as he richly deserves women invariably bully the men who are afraid of them be they husbands or brothers or sons and the more a man cringes before them the less consideration they show him the true man will always regard his wife as a queen and treat her with all homage and reverence as such but he will know in his heart that she is really only a queen consort though on that score entitled to all the more chivalry and consideration in the smaller things of life he will render to her every courtesy it will be his to fetch and carry hers to order and command because he rules in the greater things he will always submit to her wishes in the lesser because the crown is really his he will always allow her the full prerogative of the coronet the man who domineers over his wife in trifles is as unworthy of his kingship as is the man who trembles before her with regard to the weightier matters of the law for the very fact that he is by right her lord and master should make him all the more eager never publicly to display himself as such or to lower his royal dignity by dragging it in the dust of petty domestic affairs a crown is not the fitting headgear for the daily walk abroad or the peaceful evening at home a sceptre is not the suitable implement for the stirring of teacups or the making of puddings there is nothing which so cheapens and vulgarizes an article as over advertisement there are some things so delicately made that to talk about them destroys them 
there is truth as well as beauty in the legend of the bride who lost her fairy lover as soon as she asked him his name as he told it to her he vanished the man who tells us that he is great thereby proves his own littleness the woman who announces that she is a lady thereby forfeits her right to the title have we not all in our time come across some of these members of the great army of snobs who show their lack of social position by their constant insistence on the same and who prove the ordinary and commonplace tint of their blood by their incessant testimony as to its azure hue in the same way the man who tyrannizes over his wife in trifles and is always eager to prove himself the master of the house shows that in reality he is nothing but a pretender and is no ruler by divine right for such divinity doth hedge a king who is in any sense a real king that he cannot stoop to haggle and squabble and nag his patent of royalty is too obvious to need any announcement his rank too inherent to require any herald to proclaim his style and this rule obtains in every other department of life good wine of any kind needs no bush the really well-bred person does not boast of his good breeding the really beautiful woman does not trouble to explain her charms the moment that a thing requires bolstering up by advertisement and explanation that thing begins to be a sham and a humbug and had better be thrown overboard altogether for in its very nature it is doomed to perish it was a great pity for her sake as well as his own that captain gaythorne did not better understand how to manage his young wife for her present attitude towards her husband was the worst thing possible for a woman of fabia's temperament she was bound sooner or later to get into mischief of some sort or another since matrimony if not an absorbing profession is a very unsatisfactory pastime fabia was a woman who needed occupation and interest in her life and if she could not get them from one source she would get them from another after gabriel so signally failed her all along the line she fell back upon her old friend ramchandar mukharjee and ramchandar was a clever man who knew how to make the most of his opportunities he answered her letters in full giving her in unstinted measure all the intellectual stimulus and sympathy in which her husband was so conspicuously lacking and he scrupulously refrained from writing a word which could by the freest translation be construed into anything approaching love-making he knew that fabia was as yet unprepared for the actual existence of a lover although she was quite ready to amuse herself with the shadow and spirit of the thing and he also knew that when once a married woman begins thus to amuse herself the appearance upon the scene of the actual lover is but a matter of time some commandments are broken suddenly or not at all but others demand a more gradual process of disintegration lest the breaker should be so shocked at the idea of the catastrophe that the commandment would never get broken at all 
whatever defects the devil may have otherwise he always shows himself an adept in his own particular line of business and he is unrivalled in his powers of manipulating that effective instrument known as the thin edge of the wedge it unfortunately happened that fabia was left very much to herself and her husband just then christmas was over and mrs gaythorne was plunged in a vortex of godly dissipation and holy mirth and was submerged in a whirlpool of public meetings which would gain in force and number all through the spring until they reached their very maelstrom at exeter hall in may therefore she spent a considerable portion of her time in london and when at home was far too much occupied by the stress of rampant philanthropy to have any leisure or attention to bestow upon her son's conjugal difficulties isabel seaton however saw pretty clearly how things were going but she was one of the rare women who have mastered the fine art of minding their own business and having possessed herself of so valuable and uncommon an accomplishment she was naturally prone to practise the same nine times out of ten nay rather ninety-nine times out of a hundred harm instead of good is wrought by the intermeddling of well-intentioned persons in affairs not their own probably far less evil is brought about in the world by really bad and unprincipled people than by conscientious and well-meaning ones who interfere with matters that do not concern them and women far more than men are offenders in this respect when a really good woman is seized with a strong outpouring of the missionary spirit the amount of mischief that she will effect in a short time is almost incredible she will come between sister and brother parent and child husband and wife she will estrange devoted lovers and separate very friends and all the time she will purr contentedly to herself with satisfaction over her successful efforts and will thank god on her knees every night for what she will euphoniously term opportunities of usefulness she will never have the ghost of an idea that she is one of satan's most approved emissaries for introducing discord and stirring up strife let the first of us who has never suffered from the well-meant interference of a conscientious woman say a word in her defence i trow her advocates will be few and far between therefore it was to be counted to isabel for righteousness that she never attempted to set matters straight between charlie and fabia she was a married woman herself so she knew the danger of meddling between husband and wife she was perhaps overbold as a matchmaker but she shrank from the awful responsibility of putting asunder by word or hint or innuendo those whom god had joined together a single woman would doubtless have rushed in where mrs paul seaton feared to tread but she had learnt wisdom in the only school where it is properly taught the school of experience so she held her peace there is a delightful story told and a true one too of a lady with a very naughty little boy who consulted a friend one with seven children of her own as to how she was to train this rebellious olive branch 
i'll tell you what to do replied the mother of seven go straight to the first old maid you meet she will teach you exactly how to deal successfully with the matter but it's no good coming to me because i know no more about it than you do now childish women are not more omniscient in the training of the young than are old maids in the management of husbands and by the term old maids i mean the regular old maid not the broad-minded large-hearted spinster whose singleness is her own fault and every man's misfortune but the petty provincial narrow-minded woman sneering at her more fortunate sister and poking her crooked fingers into everybody's pies who would be just as much an old maid had she been married and had a large family who would in truth have been just as much an old maid had she been a man in fact many old maids have been men and it has not made them any the less old maidish indeed rather more so and it is this typical old-maid nature which is generally most strongly imbued with the missionary spirit perhaps there is no type of woman more utterly fascinating and delightful than the really charming single woman the woman who retains the fascination and freshness of girlhood after she has attained to the culture and wisdom of mature life the dew of the morning is still in her eyes even though she has watched the lengthening of the shadows the scent of the spring is still in her hair even though it be crowned with the garlands of autumn she has never been awakened by the cares and realities of marriage from the dreams of her girlhood her place is in the glades of the forest rather than in the market-place in the garden of spices rather than in the store-closet consequently she has more sympathy with and understanding of the young than has the busy matron for she still stands upon the mountain-top and sees the promised land through the magic haze of distance as the young are standing and seeing this type of woman will never be obsessed by the missionary spirit for she will be too shy to rebuke too sensitive to interfere she will do good and not evil all the days of her life by the tenderness of her heart and by the purity of her soul and the children of countless of her contemporaries will rise up and call her blessed because she does not belong exclusively to one man she will have leisure to sympathize with many because no child calls her mother she will have a wealth of universal mother-love to lavish upon all but unfortunately the interfering style of old maid is by far the more common species and isabel seaton had known so much harm done in this fashion by persons not really evil-minded that she herself was perhaps inclined to err upon the other side and to keep silence even from good words when such words would have been helpful and salutary there is a distinct difference between unjustifiable interference and the necessary word of warning but it requires a very astute mathematician to know exactly where to draw the line between the two anyhow it came about that isabel seaton refrained from saying a word to charlie as to the danger of his wife's obvious indifference to him and of her determination if he failed to afford her sufficient amusement to seek the same elsewhere 
and she likewise refrained for the present from saying anything to fabia upon the subject either as she did not wish to be the confidante of mrs charles gaythorne's feelings towards her husband isabel was a woman of the world and she knew that there are no people so much disliked as the people who are made even though it be against their own wishes the recipients of confidences to which they are not entitled we hate for ever afterwards the persons to whom according to common parlance we have given ourselves away even though the libation may have been purely voluntary at the time and quite undesired upon their part therefore wise men and women do not receive confidence the giving of which they know will afterwards be regretted by the donors of course isabel might have spoken to charlie's mother upon the subject but she shrank from doing this partly because such a course savoured of the most unjustifiable kind of interference and partly because she loved popularity and there is nothing that renders any one so unpopular as the imparting of disagreeable information the lady constance hit upon a great truth when she exclaimed to the bearer of evil tidings this news hath made thee a most ugly man hideous indeed in the eyes of us all are the faces of those who come to us as prophets of evil and likewise lovely are the messengers who bring us the gospel of peace yet there are men and women who wish to be attractive and desire to gain the affection of their fellow-men who nevertheless do not hesitate indeed rather hasten to carry the ill news and the evil report to those whose good opinions they most covet every word they utter is either a reflection or a complaint every criticism they make is an unfavourable one it never occurs to them that the ugliness of the message which they bear is reflected in their own countenances otherwise they would surely hold their peace so charles and fabia drifted further and further apart and fabia clung more and more to the support and sympathy of ram chandar mukharjee this new agent that i've got is a fool and utter fool exclaimed charlie as his wife and he were sitting at luncheon one day mrs gaythorne being busily engaged in london and carrying on bloodless revolutions for the benefit of the whole human race then why did you engage him i thought an agent's duty was to supply the deficiencies of his employer not to emulate them of course darling i didn't know he was a fool when i engaged him otherwise i should have been a fool myself for doing so precisely still you might have done it nevertheless i have known you in wisdom part company before now i often wonder what fools were made for the irate squire grumbled on so do i but i should have imagined that you would have found that out before now charlie was hurt but he tried not to show it and fabia despised him all the more for being so thick-skinned so she imagined and not to feel the cut of her lash in the interests of peace he changed the subject another mistake on his part as then fabia despised him for being frightened and running away i wonder if poor old carr will ever turn up again he said a good many people are wondering that you are not by any means solitary in your speculations it is desperately rough on janet she looks wretchedly ill poor little thing 
you would hardly expect her to laugh and grow fat on such a catastrophe would you it was certainly uphill work talking to fabia but charlie bravely went on his patient dogged way trying his hardest to make himself pleasant which was the very last thing he should have endeavoured to do of course not old girl by jove no i should think it would knock any woman to pieces for her husband to chuck it all up and cut and run on his honeymoon not necessarily it would depend upon the husband answered fabia in a tone which implied that if only captain gaythorne had seen fit to cut and run on his honeymoon it would have been the most advantageous arrangement possible for all parties concerned but i really think the poor little thing was awfully gone on car don't you know persisted charlie still intent upon his cowardly desire for peace at any price naturally those plain dowdy little women are always off their heads with gratitude to any man who will marry them and it is extremely bad for the man well no one would say you were the sort of woman to be grateful to any lucky beggar who was so fortunate as to marry you said charlie with a brave attempt to be jocular i am not the reply was sufficient to crush a bolder man than charles again he changed the subject i say fabia don't you think we ought to do something for that poor little woman to make things a bit easier for her especially now the mater is so busy and can't see after her charlie had inherited much of his mother's kindness of heart fabia looked up languidly what sort of a thing find her another husband do you mean oh fabia charlie was really shocked by jove no she isn't that sort you talk as if husbands were like footmen so that if one doesn't suit the situation you can dismiss him and get another that is how i regard them charlie was positively helpless but what about marriage vows and till death us do part and things of that kind i do not believe in them i say old girl you should just have heard my father's views about marriage and all that sort of thing he'd got most tremendous notions about the sanctity of it and everything in that line don't you know i cannot help that i never married your father charlie looked puzzled of course not you couldn't have done as he was married long before either you or i were born which was to his credit added fabia charlie was more shocked than ever i say darling i wish you wouldn't say such things i don't like it not like me to praise your father's moral character how very peculiar of you men generally like their immediate ancestors to be commended fabia's smile was distinctly impertinent but all the same she felt the faint glimmering of respect for a husband who had the courage to admit that there was anything about his wife that he did not like but the ill-starred charlie rapidly extinguished that faint glimmer not in that way my darling i'm sure the mater wouldn't approve of it so don't do it there's a good girl fabia shrugged her shoulders how could she respect a husband who was always bolstering up his marital authority by quotations from his female parent my point is continued the well-meaning blunderer that my father was a married man himself don't you know i never heard the faintest whisper to the contrary fabia don't be so stupid there's a good child what i mean is that being a married man himself he knew what he was talking about 
and the fact that he was married and married as he was makes his opinion upon the indissolubility of marriage all the more valuable and remarkable there i agree with you although in her way fabia had a sincere respect for her mother-in-law she could imagine that an eternity spent in that lady's society would not appear short he had most awfully fine notions about marriage about its being for better for worse and for richer for poorer and all that don't you know continued charlie he didn't know much about for poorer did he of course not how could he he and my mother both had very tidy fortunes as well as the gaythorn estates in vain poor charlie endeavoured to follow the intricate workings of his wife's mind then his opinions did not count for much after all it is when you come to for worse and for poorer that the shoe begins to pinch many married people can stand the strain of for better and for richer though that is no slight one at times i admit oh darling i don't know about that look at love in a cottage and all that sort of thing heaps of people are most awfully keen on it i never was in love and i never was in a cottage so i cannot form an opinion upon the advantages and disadvantages of either charlie's face went very red but he was too much wounded to lose his temper i wish you were in love fabia he said pleadingly his wife laughed lightly it might be rather unpleasant for you if i were but it is really very unselfish of you to put my pleasure before yours in this way i mean in love with me fabia laughed again what an idea it is quite gone out of fashion for a woman to be in love with her own husband of course a person like janet carr is but it is just part and parcel of her general dowdiness i thought you hated a dowdy woman so i do i detest the sight of them then there is nothing dowdier than to be in love with one's own husband it is on a par with a shawl and ringlets and a white camellia fastened by the brooch charlie looked as he felt very miserable he knew that his own views were right and his wife's wrong and he also knew that he was not clever enough to demonstrate either of these propositions so he took refuge in an illustration the safest recourse for all those not gifted in argument isabel seaton is not dowdy and she is in love with her own husband he said that is so but isabel is an exception to that as to every rule since her marriage fabia had learnt to appreciate mrs seaton as she had never appreciated her before a friendship between a married woman and a single one is rarely successful unless it dates from pre-matrimonial days the husband and the confidential friend are not often compatible ingredients yet she always fancies herself as being so commonplace and normal and natural and all that sort of thing don't you know of course she does that is where she shows herself so exceptional it is the commonplace people who think that no one ever felt as they feel or suffered as they suffer or loved as they love i used to be a bit like that myself at one time till i learnt from isabel how very commonplace it was when did you think that no one ever loved as you did asked charlie eagerly 
men are very like children in one respect they always get hold of the least important part of a toy or a conversation and fix all their attention upon that to the exclusion of the really characteristic and interesting portion of the business in hand fabia told her husband the truth she saw no reason for not doing so on the present occasion i never actually thought that nobody ever loved as i did but i used to think that nobody ever could love as i could till isabel and experience taught me what a fool i was isabel would be pretty mad if she heard you say that she was an exception fabia smiled would she she is very fond of calling herself normal and commonplace but i doubt if she would be equally pleased if her friends endorsed her statements well anyhow you can't deny that she is jolly smart taking her all round and that she is in love with her own husband repeated charlie sticking to his point i cannot and yet i wonder at it mr seaton always appears to me an extremely dull person he is the sort of chap that wouldn't care a rap how he appeared to you or anybody as long as his own wife liked him said charlie speaking truth i know that is one reason why i dislike him men who are very much in love with their wives always bore me to extinction well i am very much in love with mine heaven knows and unlike isabel you are not an exception to the rule the arrow went home charlie got up from his chair and walked towards the door i say fabia you are a bit too hard on a poor devil who worships the very ground you walk on heaven knows i do all in my power to please you and make you happy and yet the more he does for you the more you seem to despise and hate a fellow what else can i do to make you care for me and treat me as a wife should and poor charlie like jesting pilot paused not for an answer but went out of the room banging the door after him in his futile misery while his wife decided within herself that unless some new interest of or occupation were brought into her life and at once she should die of ennui so she made haste to write to her cousin ram chandar End of chapter 17